With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's Small Over podcast, the rugby podcast that gives you the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Small Over Podcast, we are Small Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook and you can find all of our podcasts on Apple Pods and Google and Anchor and lots of other places. Uh, I'm joined this week yet again by the Lensman. How you doing Doug? How then? And also by the nicest guy in Cornish Rugby Podcast, then Ben Eustace. Welcome. Right. All right. Yeah. What, what was that? Wow. That was some noise. That was just a noise, wasn't it? <laughs> um, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Do you want me to try again? No, you're fine. Yes. Try again. <laughs> now. Do Hello, it now. Hello, Do everyone. It. you got to be nice. Hello, everyone. How, how are you? Oh, very good. Very concise. Um, the, uh, the farm vet's not here. He reckons he's got some kind of presentation to do, um, which isn't rugby related, which is very, very disappointing. Um, and Mrs. Farm Vet isn't around to uh, take care of his children, which should be in bed by now. But, you know, that's his choice. I'm not going to tell him how to live his life. Um, you could I argue mean, he's made better choices than you, Russ. I mean, it's not. I'm not going to argue <laughs> that, mate. It's not an argument, is it? It's, you, can't argue, you can't argue facts. Although I'm sure some fucking pricks might. Um, you never guess what I did at the weekend. Just before uh, we get into before we get into uh, to anything. Here um, goes the foot. There goes the forty minute podcast. Well, I'm not yeah, gonna. Right. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go right into it. Why don't you tell us what you did, Russ? I'm not. I'm not gonna go right into it. All I'm gonna say is that uh, following on from the all over invitational, got a bit of a thirst back, didn't I? And uh, ended up going training on Thursday and made my third first team debut on Saturday for Nuki Hornets first team um, off the bench, 40 minutes at 12. And uh, Nuki picked up their first win of the season. Coincidence? Yes. Um, Absolutely, exactly. But, you know. Literally a coincidence. Literally. <laughs> I mean, li- literally a coincidence. Um. Yeah, but I really enjoyed it. And it was like the 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 ironic, some might say. Some might say ironic. Well, define so, irony. That's a problem, isn't yeah. it? Um the ten rain on your wedding day. <laughs> the ten That's not irony, that's coincidence. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I'm I, just gonna keep talking over to you until you drop it. I'm that's... gonna keep talking over you. The, the ten, <laughs> the ten, and the thirteen. I'm not buying a mini metro. I'm not buying a mini metro. <laughs> Where the ten and the thirteen for Nuki had a combined age of forty-two years old, and then some. They say old, regional rugby's not dead. And then some old bold cunt in the middle of them. Yeah, it <laughs> it, it, it thirty-nine. Still made things Amazing. happen. But I loved it. Anyway, so that will probably happen again. But I won't bore you about it every week. Did you? What kit did you like better? 
Uh, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest that the Nuki Hornets kit, you know, fitted a lot better. Um, also, also provided, also provided. Only yourself to blame for that one, mate. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I wore the number twenty-three jersey. I, I searched high and low for it, and it was a large in the same style as the Kit World kit that we got. So it's the same. It was yeah. the same sort of fit, but the large was, you know, they're supposed to say the large was perfect for uh, for me. So you know. Maybe we'll play well, that in my chat this week. Anyway, right. Um, <laughs> the reason you the reason you picked me up for literally is thanks to the guys on Egg Chasers. I said last week without any um, real thought that everybody was literally sucking Eddie Jones dry. Now I know that really isn't possible. So the misuse of the word literally, um, I'm going to be a lot more careful now, so I don't. I well, don't, don't be too careful, mate. That is. That is a podcast that came on, came up with a plan of, you know, naughty steps for clubs and no knock-ons being uh, trialed. So you can forgive us for saying literally. <laughs> but it is quite funny. And especially you, because you're thick as mints. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that is a fact. But uh, thanks. But they did suggest <laughs> that people should listen. So thank you for, for those guys. It's always a pleasure. Much appreciated. Um, is he literally thick as mints or figuratively thick as mints? I, I would say literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's uh, let's move on. The, the next thing, bit of exciting news, is we have been given the opportunity to team up with Match Point. Um, rugby is back. International rugby is back this weekend with fixtures that are outside of the proposed international window, which is a bit weird. Um, but the games are on, pubs are open, the Guinness is back flowing, and so is the Guinness Pint Predictor from Match Point. So the same trusted format that's been going for a little while now, you put your scores in, you pick a team, and you say, right, how are they going to, how many are they going to win by? They're launching a new league, and we're, and we're proud to be a part of that, and we've got our own Mallover League. So when you go into the point predictor, all you need to do is search for the league all over, join that league, and all of you guys that listen to us as well as us and anybody else is welcome that you can pit your wits against and to see how we'll get on with predicting some of these awesome internationals. So just make sure, as I say, go and search all over and you'll find our league. There'll be some prizes. Everybody that signs up to match point uh, before the 31st of October will get a um, free pint of Guinness at a local establishment near them that sells Guinness uh, that's part of the Match Point promotion. And there will also be a potential for uh, a prize or some special prizes for the winners of the All Over League. So head over to Match Point, search them all over, and uh, yeah, see what you can come up with. Um, there's only two games in this week's predictor, which is Scotland versus Wales, uh, Scotland versus Tonga, and Wales versus New Zealand. So, uh, Ben, what what have you got for Wales New versus New Zealand? First of all, uh, I'd say New Zealand by eighteen. New Zealand by eighteen. Doug, what you got? Uh, I had New Zealand by forty. By forty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be tremendous, wouldn't it? Just to see the Welsh get an absolute pump well, in. I mean, that's that's winning. 51-11. Are you math. saying that that's beyond Good the realms of possibility? Not at all, when no. Callum Sheedy is starting at fly half. No, I'm not. not. I have seen the Welsh have called up Alex Cuthbert and um, Reese Priestland into their I squad mean, this week. In, lads. <laughs> pack woke, it in. Woke up in 2012. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've got, I've got New Zealand by 21. Um and then I've got Scotland to beat Tonga by 16. I mean, I don't really know what sort of team Scott, um, Tonga are going to turn up with. Not, so, not a very good one. Um, you know, that's pre- pretty accurate, but we'll, we'll see. But they're always, they're <laughs> always pretty physical, get aren't they? absolute toweling. Uh, all right. So what have you got the Scotland, um, Scotland score to be? I can't remember. Let me open the app, Russ. Why don't you open uh, the app and tell us how easy it is? Here? I have got... 
let's have a look here. Ben, while Doug's looking, a bit like he's any other business, we'll go elsewhere. What have you got Scotland Tonga to be? Oh, Scotland by 45. By 45? 45. Yeah. Yeesh. I've got 25 for us. I mean, I was a little bit more conservative. I've gone Scotland by 16 because Scotland are also pretty pish. So, you know, let's let's see what happens. So that's where we are for this weekend. Um, we'll be keeping up to date with the points predictor every week. And as we go through the autumn internationals, we'll keep you updated as to, as to who is top of our league. Um, right. Shall we have a bit of a chat about some premiership action? Um, this Friday, Friday night at, uh, saw Northampton take on Worcester uh, at Franklin's gardens. Um, and a bit like, well, the story of Worcester's season, really, um, they got an absolute ass in. Um, they had all the big guns back. I know Kvess is just playing, Van der Merwe, um, Baldwin. Like, but how can a side, how can Worcester continue to be so bad, Doug, do you think? Because they're badly coached, Russell. Thank you, Douglas. In what they, way do you they, think they're badly coached? They don't. Did Did you watch United against Liverpool yesterday? I did. So it was Gary Neville made was at real pains to admit that United aren't a pressing side. They're trying to press, but they can't, and um, that comes down to coaching. That's bad coaching. There's no other word for it, really. Um, and with Worcester, you don't like what are they trying? Again, it, it, there's an identity crisis in several t- bad teams in the Premiership have identity crises, and you get the impression with Jonathan Thomas that he wants to be this like cerebral, um, forward-thinking kind of new age coach, but. Every team that I've seen struggle in the last decade of watching Premiership rugby that have then gone to not struggle have realised that the way to do that is just to be fucking horrible. Look at Leicester. You don't get out of it by signing players like Van der Merwe and um, uh, the scrum... uh, What's his name? Uh, Hines. uh, Willie Hines and Will Chudley... Um, that that kind of player isn't gonna turn around the bottom three team into suddenly being world beaters. Let's not forget that they were playing a Northampton side that they made look like the 1980 All Blacks. That that is true. Did I say United? I meant Northampton. But um, that Northampton team is is there for the taking if you match them physically and and don't let give them the space to play the game that they want to play. But Worcester never, never actually tried. I, I, I don't, I, I can't remember a passage of play where you thought, ah, so this is what Worcester are trying to do. Because they seem to have nothing in the forwards and they seem to have not a great deal of idea in the backs. And I feel, I feel sorry. Cause I think that, that fly half Finn Smith is a, is a talented player. I, you know, I, I did like that. Um, Twitter thing going around of of Dan Bigger and him having a chat at the end of the game, you know, with all those self-flagellating, you know, oh, rugby values and all this tweets that, you know, make you want to be sick in your own face. Um, <laughs> you know, did you really, did you notice how they were perfectly framed, both looking at the camera? Yeah. yeah. Absolute setup. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> it's so... <laughs> I mean, like obviously you you notice that from a from a professional capacity. But, but did you not notice it? Well, have you only realised that since I pointed it out? I, they could not have been any more perfectly facing the camera. I wouldn't have been surprised if the camera tracked left or right. They sort of moved so that they were both perfectly in frame. So they could both go, Oh, look what great guys we are. Here I am being a great guy with a young guy. I'm so great. Um I don't know. Uh, it's it's increasingly tough to listen to 
directors of rugby come out on the end of 50 point arsings and try and put a positive spin on it. I, I think it's I think it's um high time that some some truth bombs were laid out in public because I for for all that all these sort of um thoughts about how they're protecting players and they're doing this and that and deflecting maybe maybe some of these teams just need to be be told you're pretty shit lads get a fucking grip or you're out I mean Alan Solomons has been I'm trying I was just trying to work out when he took charge of Worcester so Alan Solomons 1387 I think (laughs) may as well have been he's 70 71 years old um, but he's been the Worcester director of rugby from since 2017. Would you be surprised though if you looked up Alan Solomon's on Wikipedia and it said he's been in charge of Worcester for 10 years and he's now 39? <laughs> no, yeah, 10 years of, of, of coaching a Worcester Warriors team age you like the Emperor Palpatine in Star Wars. Oh, fucking hell. I think it's tough being a Northampton fan, but, you know, because I've, I've always said that the ho- it's, it's not it's not the disappointment, it's the hope that kills you. Yeah. But at least with Saints, we've got a little bit of hope. I don't know what Worcester fans hang their hat on. They go to that horrible stadium, where, which is always cold, and if it's not cold, it's raining, and if it's not raining, it's windy. I've never been there on a nice day. It's in the middle of nowhere on on a motorway junction there's a bloody motocross stadium or, or arena over the back so all you can hear all day is like that it, it is thankless being a fan there there is a very nice there's a couple there's a very nice coffee and donut shop down the road and there is a really nice uh burger gaff about 20 minutes away that's all i can say for worcester in in evesham <laughs> yeah yeah um I don't know how they get through the seasons. What what do they, you know, you go back 15 years when Pat Sanderson was there and, and it was Marcel Garvey on the wing and who was the Australian fella they had at fullback and they were still shit. They've done nothing. They've done nothing for 20 years. What are they adding to this product? Well, that said, if I have to work on one of their games, I think they're all lovely. <laughs> but you're right. We're, like we've been saying... Like I've I've tried to give them a bit of of hope, and I every time the season comes round and they sign a couple of players, you think, ah, right, okay, well they're they're starting to be a little bit of a little bit of hope. They've they've got something building, they've got something moving forward, and then you still see with the greatest respect the likes of Jamie Shilcock being trotted out, and you're just like, oh, yeah, you're, you're still. He's a decent bad. player though, Russ. If you. They they have players that would be successful in other Premiership clubs, but there seems to be a, a culture of failure there and a culture of mediocrity that they don't seem to be able to shake off. And I I don't know whether it comes down to the fact that they just they're not backed by their owners, but whether or not that means that they're just happy well, they, to be there for the ride. I, I was just going to say that, that, that there's like low expectations there, isn't there? Mm. It, it's it's like what 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 do we want from this season? Well, not get relegated. Well, if if not getting relegated is your ambition for every season, then it makes this season pretty easy, doesn't it? Well, this is this will be the the third, well, the, yeah, the third season that they won't be able to be relegated. I mean, won't it? Did you see the bigger try? I mean, you you'd be furious at an under fourteens team for conceding a try like that. They all just turned their back on on a mm. penalty ten meters out, and he tapped and ran past players that had his, had their back to him. And I I just thought uh, Worcester were just slow all game. Their, their line speed was slow, and you know there was one break down the wing where I, I can't remember now if 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 Northampton scored or, or nearly scored, but the whole pack just sort of turned on their heels and and jogged slowly backwards it wasn't that they were chasing back to get to the corner flag and they were just slow in mind and and body and I don't think they were the only ones I I, I thought Exeter's line speed was pretty slow by their standards on, on Saturday but it, it was a bit disappointing because you couldn't really judge 
Northampton's players on on that performance because it was too easy for them. You know, Laws looked really good, but you know they took him off just after half time because the job was done. And you know it would have been interesting to see the lad Freeman, but he was under no pressure for the whole game. He just just helped himself to two tries. There was nothing, you know, no jeopardy there. Um, you know, even good good players, you know, like like Kvesic was falling off tackles. They were just just bad. Look at- I don't I I don't understand it. Like Francois Venter is a good rugby player. Ollie Morris was a good player. <laughs> Venter was played at inside center. <laughs> inside center. And he had eight meters gained on nine carries. Surely it's harder to only have nine carries at twelve than than not, right? I don't like what are they doing? How are they what what are they trying to do as an attack? You know, Rory Sutherland is a good player. Christian Judge, when he played for Saracens, is a good player. Graham Kitchener is a good player. Sam Lewis is unbelievable. I'd have him in any if I was starting a team, he would be one of the first, you know, people I'd want. I think he's criminally underrated. Kvesic is a great player. Baldwin was on the bench, didn't come on. Ethan Waller was good at Saints. You know, these are all players that can do a job. I can't decide what they're trying to do as a squad. I, I... Maybe maybe that's there. The problem is they can't. I mean, I know, again, like, read a Wikipedia. It, on Alan Solomon's Wikipedia page, right, there is a... Um, there is a... Lot of black and white photos. Well, there is a lot of black and white, but it says Solomon Solomon's approach has been described as has his philosophy on rugby is to get things done well, work hard, and everything else falls into place. I mean, is that is that an actual philosophy? I'm guessing not, because it's on Wikipedia. Solomon's normally focuses on the group rather than picking out individuals. Well, that you know. I mean, pick out individuals and tell them they're shit. Put a rocket up their ass because they're not being, they're not playing very good rugby. Doesn't mean anything. It's quite, does it? it's quite simple. Very, odd. very, it's very simple. In fact, yeah, every single person in the Saints backline in that game had nearly fifty meters of of gained meters. Yeah, I think if you if you went through any Newcastle uh, Newcastle. What, what am I on about? Any premiership club and said, name a player, like a stalwart player from that club. You could you could just pick one out of midair, you know, like a standout player. But I don't think you could do that for Worcester. Who, who... Sam Lewis. He's unbelievable. He's But he's All the right. only one. All right. Yeah. I mean, like, but you go through every other team and you'd have, like, you know, George Ford or uh, Farrell or, you know, there'd be a player that you can sort of springs to mind instantly when you say the club. But with Worcester, I don't think that's the case. Or, you know, Lewis comes to your mind because you, you rate him highly, don't you? But, yeah, you know, if you stopped a man in the street and said, name a Worcester player. T- tends to be... Like, well, journeyman. unless that man was walking outside well, of a rugby club, yeah. he probably wouldn't be able to name you a rugby player in the Premiership full stop. Yeah, but Worcester tends to be, you, you're right, there are players that are synonymous with certain clubs, don't they? There, yeah. is, there is nobody that that stands out as somebody that is directly synonymous for Worcester. There would be people that have been through Worcester that have gone elsewhere and and might be have been successful or and or yeah that 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 was the point I was trying to make Russ players go through there yeah yeah the, the first yeah, yeah, player that comes great. into mind they they either go through there or they end up there yeah yeah well, and then they do have a lot of say journeymen but like you know we've talked about Baldwin who's still a very good player you mentioned Judge Kvesic is back there now. Fucking um, Chris Ashton. Who's the other guy that, that isn't playing because they have been made themselves uh, unavailable for selection? But Garvey. Oh, Matt Garvey. Another one like yeah. or loads of players in their uh, sort of early 30s that are yeah. that are just I mean, if you said, maybe if, stringing out a career. 
If you said Worcester to me, I think the first player that comes to my mind is um, a Ram man. <laughs> Duncan Weir. Yeah. Yeah. And he don't even play there anymore. Exactly. Yeah. My, my, my question would be, what do they add? And what is their value to the premiership compared to what a club like Cornish Pirates or uh, Jersey would bring to the premiership? It's a good question. And there is, because when you think about, you think about the geographical catchment area of Worcester, right? Um, there are a lot of clubs within 50 mile of Worcester, a lot. Gloucester, Bath, um, I mean, Northampton, Wasps. Wasps, Northampton probably a bit of a stretch, but it's not too far away. Um, and then you think about, I mean, Bristol, Bristol's within about 50 odd mile of, of Worcester, isn't it? So, but then you think about the, the Pirates or Jersey, um, you know, catchment areas, extension of, of geographical locations. Maybe they would offer a bit more than, than what Worcester would, but Worcester have got their feet firmly under the there's table. A, there's they? any number of clubs that would offer more if they were given the opportunity, but I don't think I'm pretty, well, I'm pretty sure that possession's nine tenths, isn't it? So you, you're not going to get, well, they're like, the... you're not going to get uh, Worcester voting themselves out because they don't bring anything to the party. I... <laughs> no, their, their feet are under the, the PRL table. They're one of the 13 fucking founding fathers or whatever they are now. And now they're all in the premiership. This is the point. Now they're all in the premiership. How do you get rid of one? Now they're yeah. all in. And this was yeah. always going to happen. The minute they relegated Saracens, enforced or not, points deductions, all that sort of shit. The minute PRL did that, the, uh, it just feels like this was the the end the end game. The end. Yeah, I, I know that going up to fourteen clubs, but the chances are it's going to be Ealing that go up. Yeah. Um, but you look in the championship, and to me, if I was a, if I was like a Roger Goodell for the Premiership, there's just I wouldn't want Ealing in the Premiership. There's they're not going to get a crowd. If you've got Cornish Pirates in the Premiership, having been down there and played rugby down there now and seen what you the clubs are like there that down there, I could see them getting 10, 15,000 a game down there easy if you gave them the, the proper facilities. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Premiership it's a opposition every week. Well, when. Because let's mean, be honest, Russ, there's fuck all else down there. Yeah. Well, it's apart true. Apart from bad weather and roads that are crap. Um, when pirates were, or when when the big clubs came to the Mene, like I remember Northampton coming down, and, and the Mene field. I mean, you've worked there; it's yeah. it's sparse. You know, they they used to set up temporary stands for some of the big games. Well, I remember Northampton coming to play in two thousand and six, seven, with the likes of fucking Bruce Rayhana and you know Carlos Spencer. I think was still on the books at that time. And like there were big crowds, and that could that could happen every week or every other week. Get them down yeah. to Do fucking Mene on a Friday night. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the number of people that go to Exeter regularly. Hmm. What from Cornwall down here? Yeah. yeah. And and pirates. I don't think quite as many people go as 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 probably did ten years ago. But, but that's because there's probably no hope that they're ever going to get yeah, promoted, the, right? There would be buses of people going from, you know, pubs all around Cornwall that going down to Pirates. I bet where, in, where um, be, where they'll would, get where a couple be the of best place to put them, though, if they were going to get well, promoted. Well, they've been building a, a, a county stadium for, what, 20 years, Russ? Yeah. Would it be better to put them sort of North Cornwall, Bodmin way, just so that it's easier for other clubs to get. I think Truro would probably be about right somewhere on the outskirts of Truro where they were, they were talking about um, uh, Langarth is the place, but they, they, that was always the, just off the A30, you know, close transport links, park and ride nearby, all of that sort of shit. 
Um, because that's what it needs, isn't it? It needs to be in Cornwall, but not because the men eyes are twat to get to, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was so it needs, like it's all the way down Penzance, and they yeah. they used to get. I mean, they they probably still get. Well, remember, remember, it is Penzance, Penzance and Newlin, really, though, Russ. Well, yeah, but you know, if they want to grow, <laughs> but it's not they, now, though, is it? It's not. No, it, it isn't. Um, although the Pirates amateurs are in the, the the league, they play in the same kit at the same stadium, and they're in the same league as um, you know Nuki Hornets. Well, I'm what I'm in now. So uh, did I mention I played? I mean, I think where they're <laughs> I think where they're planning to put the stadium is the right place. It's just just become this sort of well standing joke, basically, isn't it? Well, segueing nicely out of the Cornish Pirates and uh, nice big crowds. Ben, you watched the uh, the Extra Chiefs take on London Irish on Saturday, which was the live BT Sport game. Um, a surprise victory for London Irish. Um, Exeter really just can't seem to get going this season. No, not at all. I, I said earlier, I thought they looked a little bit uh, subdued, like their line speed wasn't quite where it would normally be. Um, it was a bit of a rarity this week in being a good match. Um, you know, Exeter didn't play awfully, um, but they just seemed to be lacking any kind of spark. Um, and Irish had that in, in tons. Um, you know, their, their ball carrying was, was brilliant and their work rate in defence was, was off the charts. Um, I think uh, the, the prop... Hoskins, he he played really well, um, but it was the back row that really took the took the biscuit. Um, Rogerson, just everywhere. Um, Tuasui is an absolute monster, and he was just smashing people right, left, and centre. And he's also thicker than Russ. <laughs> yeah, but they used him as in the best way to use a player like that, which was just. Knock people over, mate, and and he he certainly did. Um, and the lad Pearson, after about twenty minutes, there was there was a a big blonde lad running around at seven, and I kind of assumed he was a South African that they they picked up from somewhere. Um, but he was a youngster on debut, and he was just just all over the place. He was brilliant, um, and they just they never let Exeter settle. They were just knocking them backwards on the game line with their ball carrying all the time and Exeter just, just never quite looked settled. They dropped more passes and made more sort of silly errors than probably they would make in a month normally uh, or in previous seasons. And um, yeah, it was all credit to, to London Irish really. Um, I thought I was quite impressed with Hassel Collins. He's, he's bigger than, than I remembered um, and he yeah. carried very well. Um, and you know Exeter, they're just a little bit. I don't know. It, like like we've said with a few teams, like the the sprinkling of sort of stars that most teams have. That it's that it's it's getting le- less and less. Um, you, you know, do you think got... they could be suffering from a bit of fatigue over the message. Like one thing that. I noticed on um, Sunday when I was, because I watched sort of first 20 minutes of Saracen's Wasps until I realized it was going to be a walkover and switched it off. But in the build up, there was, um, I can't remember who it was, but there was an in- a post match interview. Oh, no, sorry. It was at my game at Bath, uh, Bath Quinns. Sam Underhill was saying that, you know, we, we were playing in a way and, to be perfectly honest, we, we we sat down and we chatted about it, and and um, we've we've decided to play in a different way, and I'm loving it because the way we were playing before wasn't fun. And could it be that you know extra have won everything now, playing the way that they're playing, and there's just a little bit of, you know, as I said, message fatigue, where they're just, yeah, we get it, Rob, you want us to do this, Christ, it's boring for us, but you know. Uh, We've done it for three maybe. years straight now. Maybe. And also, maybe that is also stemming from the fact that, you know, a couple of those rule changes almost directly Would mitigate them, against yeah. 
Yeah, so you to, know, you know how the NBA makes rules and then names them after the players they were designed to fuck over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The 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 cow and dicky rule. That's you know, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, maybe they are. Well, what's the point of this? You know, if we, if the, it's being mitigated against, because you know the the dropout for being held up, you know, extra do get held up a lot because they're at close range so often. Um, and also the latching thing. So, um, yeah, maybe a mixture of them, Doug. And also, you know, just look at that team. It's not quite as um, all-conquering as it used to be at the moment. You know, they've got some injuries. They've, they've had a few um, players leave. But, you know, Skinner, Capstick and Simmons isn't well, quite as intimidating as Armand in his prime with Simmons and um, uh, Ewers, for example. Oh, here's I a question. I really believe in that uh, Capstick, though. And he, he was an England under-23 player. I don't think he's the issue, I think. No, no, I don't think he is. But I just, you know, they did have well, I think, bigger names at one stage. Yeah, I think. So uh, we got a question from um, AKA WD40, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, who says that, like, who out there connects to get in to replace Dave Ewers when he is rested slash injured as they fall to pieces without him? Now, I don't think it to me, I don't think it's necessarily specific to Dave Ewers, and, and that leads on to that point you were just about to make about Capsic or around that. When Exeter have had they've all they've had the big ballast Dave Ewers, but they also had big guys powerful guys in the second row, the likes of Kirsten. Like and what I think I don't know whether whether Will Whitty is is of the same level, should we say. Um, you know, the try scored against Sale the other week was was sublime, but he's not offering the same level of ballast that the likes of Kirsten the likes of uh, Gray, they're missing Johnny Gray and obviously Johnny Hill. They've been without for a long time due to, to Lions layover. Um, he then played against Wasps. He obviously played on Saturday. Um, they've been without Sam Skinner, who was back on Saturday. I, t- I just think they, they lack that size. And you know, when we've talked about Sam Simmons previously, Sam Simmons has thrived when he's got those big heavy ball carriers around him as well. And that's been a sort of slight criticism when when he hasn't had big ball carriers around him. Can he still be as effective? And and I think where Exeter are struggling is with that lack of power. And if they can't get the front football and, and the ball over the gain line that they're used to, then you know they become a little bit toothless because their their secondary game plan isn't brought into effect quick enough. Yeah, I think you're right. And and they're without Ewers and Cowan Dickey, who would probably be their most sort of powerful players. You know, Simmons has got a huge number of plus points, but running directly through people isn't one of them. Um, yeah, you know, Ewers is, is almost a kind of throwback player, isn't he, really? Um He's almost a pure ball carrier at six. You know, he does his share around the pitch, but if you if you had to pick his one sort of defining characteristic, it would be carrying the ball. Um, and you know, a lot of a lot of sixes are more all round players now. Where is Aaron Hinckley? It's a great question. What you asked this. Aaron you asked have, this a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? Have Exeter put him in a shipping container and sent him somewhere? Has he done something wrong? What has happened? Because he was meant to be the shit. And he hasn't played rugby for about three years. It's a great question. Like, he... Well, from... Yeah. He has, he's barely played any games. In fact, he hasn't played any games for Exeter. I don't, I, yeah. When he came from Gloucester, I thought he was going to be the sort of player that you know, went 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 on and and was the next one threatening the England squad, but he's seems to have um disappeared. 
Just looking at his Instagram, he hasn't posted since April. He played a couple of. Well, no, he's sorry. He's played a handful of times. September, sorry, sorry. Yeah, it's a great question. He's very young. I want answers, Rob Baxter. Well, I'm sure he'll give them to you if you ask him directly. Right to, re- right to reply, Rob. Aaron Hinckley is. Yeah. Is he is he doing part time cleaning at a warehouse? <laughs> Southwest Comms. Yeah. Okay. Um, is he changing kegs of beer for St. Austell Brewery? Is he working at the standoff? <laughs> yeah. Is, has he got a job at Exeter Services? It's, it's Andy from the ground. Services. Moving cleaning, the wheel. Cleaning the toilets. Costa. He's not the best. It's not the best Exeter Services. It's quite a distance from the car park into the into the terminal building. It's all a little it's bit a pig, spread out. The pigs are getting off that roundabout. Yeah, isn't it? it is. It's it's fucking horrible. Anyway, um, let's let's move on. I'd go. I'd go in Hog and Hedge a bit further down the A30. I wouldn't. I wouldn't ever get on the on the services at the A30. I would. I would head head on up to Taunton Dean if I was going to stop. But um, you know, that's just a personal preference. I, I would avoid Sedgemore like the plague. Lifton Farm Shop. Oh, you've, you, well, you've mentioned that before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> services chat, M5. <laughs> um, Doug. That's the Forest East is my personal favourite. Uh, Doug, you were at, um, at the Stoop on Saturday. Oh, he's gone. This is cool. Just about to ask him a question <laughs> and he's disappeared away from his microphone. Sorry, right. I've, I've got these... Uh... I've evolved these things called ears, which enable me to hear the <laughs> inane shit that you're spouting at any given moment. Tell us about Quinns versus Buff. Um, if I was a Quinns, if I was a if I was a Bath fan, they were green shoots. Uh, it looked like they were going to get walloped, and then Joe Marler, you know, great guy, did did um did did some stuff and cost his team all their momentum it was it was obviously a yellow card but uh quinn's quinn's just couldn't get going they were a bit herky-jerky not really at the races and and bath put it about underhill stood stood up and yours was pretty pretty effective at what he does mcnally was good again uh they got a fly half issue because Orlando Bailey um, looked okay. And then there was an injury and somebody went off. I can't remember who, I don't know who, someone. Um, and Cipriani came on. The Glanville. They, yeah, the Glanville, thanks. And and they um, they just, they didn't look any better. I said this uh, a couple of weeks ago, didn't I? Like, the the last thing that Bath really needed was Danny somebody like Danny Cipriani. Well, I think it's been openly said by any number of people, hasn't it? I, and and they're you know they're probably right, but I think they could potentially do with a little bit more time to 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 gel in. Yeah, but at the same time, I guess this is the season to do it. But at the same at the same time, what what? Is is Danny Cipriani the answer? If if Danny Cipriani is the answer, you're asking the wrong question. Absolute. I mean, that is. Unless the question is, do you want to come and be my wingman? <laughs> I mean, it. They might be better off starting Bailey as much as they can this season, and 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 him taking what he can from Cipriani in training. I, I think that um, is probably the plan. Yeah. Um, um, I, I don't know with Bath, you know, uh, a Jomo's kick that eventually sort of, I think it led to the yellow card, didn't he? That was, that was just ugly, but he's not going to die trying. Um, it's funny because I had, um, I was directing this match and David Flatman was the commentator. Flats, as I call him. Um, your, your new mate. Yeah, Flats. Uh, and I said, 
while directing that's the worst kick I've ever seen, which he then <laughs> almost immediately parroted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he also said um, they don't referee offside at kickoffs anymore. And I said they do at level eight. And then the next word he said was, unless you're playing down the leagues. <laughs> So, there you go. <laughs> so what we're saying is that uh david flatman is taking uh commentary advice from doug andrews just nicking all my best lines mate just nicking all my best lines <laughs> well at least we know where they come from now and, and he did say that he was um he was heavier than every single person in the bath pack <laughs> impressive <laughs> impressive um other than Abano, that that it's not the biggest pack, is it? No, and the uh, the concussion warriors and the save themselves from save the players from themselves crew would have had a field day with Abano on that during that game because he he went down in one of those sort of off the ball kind of crumpling motions and was on the floor for about ten minutes with people around him tending to him and then out of nowhere he just got up. And uh, went, yeah, I'm fine. And the first thing he had to do was have a go into a scrum. And I was, you know, we, we chatting to flats on the just chatting to forever on the um, on his lazy bar button, so he can talk to me without going through the mic, without going through the um, without being live. And it was like, this is surely ridiculous because the point was, even if he could support his own weight. Will Stewart wasn't going to go easy on him. It's like, oh yeah, I know you've been on the floor with a bad knee for 10 minutes, Benno, but I am going to put your head through your arsehole here. Which is harsh because they're on the same team. <laughs> you mean Marla? Marla, yeah. But yeah, There's no need for right. that, Ben. <laughs> so, sorry, mate. Can We've we remove the, the title of nicest man in Cornish podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Doug, if I didn't do it, someone else would do it on Twitter. Yeah, you Probably. don't want it. You don't want it coming from Chase Twitter. would do it, wouldn't they? <laughs> and I did it. I did it in a nice way. Thanks, mate. In a, in a loving way. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the, the sort of he he kept saying to the trainers like, "I oh, know I'm fine. I'm fine." And and to be honest, if you're a twelve stone dripping wet athletic trainer for the for bath rugby and beno abano says i'm fine and uh, i think Beno's bad we'll leave him alone shall we <laughs> i mean and i wish he didn't, and, then he, and then he was subbed at half time i mean i wish wish you'd done that with me in the Morlover invitational i was fine just <laughs> just leave me alone i'm fine mate it's, you it's thought you were a dinner lady called susan yeah, it was the old one, Russ. How many fingers am I holding up? Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, there were a couple more games on Saturday. Leicester keep winning, keep beating Sale. I don't know what's... I mean, Sale are an odd one. It's a weird season, isn't it? It's almost like having no relegation just makes teams, you know, care less. Yeah, you've... I mean, you've, you've got a, a couple of things you wanted to say about the, the way the premiership is kind of segregated at the moment, Doug. Around the teams well, I think that want to... What the no relegation has done is, uh, or has, because there's no there's no minimum spend, isn't there? Is there, uh, that I'm aware of? Do, do I, are either you aware of a minimum spend? Well, no, just, just a, just a no. cap, isn't it? I guess. It's just an upper cap. There's no lower cap. So... If you're a club, for example, like Worcester or, I don't know, Gloucester, who may or may not be struggling financially and you're in a period where there's going to be no relegation for two years, why would you spend up to the cap? Which has a knock-on effect then of making an already artificially adjusted league in that you've got a load of games that don't really matter because they're not top four or top or relegation games, dead rubbers effectively. You're then segregating that into teams that aren't spending and teams that are spending. So you're going to have effectively two or three leagues within the league. Um, I would guess that Bath aren't spending up to the cap at the moment. 
And I'd, I'd probably argue that they are one of the clubs that are sort of more, who would have been more financially impacted by not having fans in. Um, same goes for Worcester. They, they cannot be spending up all their money. And it's just making, it's, it's making for like a subdivision in the premiership that just when you've only got 13 teams, it means that two or three games a, a week are blowouts. So it, it's, it's not a good look, really. It's, it's spoiling the... As a fan of the game, you want games that are competitive and it's supposed to be the most competitive league in the world, but it's starting to take the look of... It's starting to feel a bit pro 14 yeah. With Worcester and a couple of the other Newcastle fulfilling the role of the Italian teams. And then the next transfer teams like Gloucester. Um, Are your Scottish teams? You can argue a couple of other Bath fulfilling those world teams. And then you've got the Irish teams with the, the sort of North, uh, the, the, the Sale, um, Exeter, Bristol. You know, that's I think that's an unintended consequence of all this no relegation which, and which which team in the Pro Four team were systematically financially doping their players? Leinster. Leinster, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. State yeah. state sponsored rugby. State sponsored rugby. <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to make that Glasnost. direct comparison. Glasnost. Do you not? Do you not think though? <laughs> Perestroika. That is it. I don't even know what that means. No, it sounds do you not good. think now that what <laughs> do you not think what Saracens are doing now shows that that financial doping didn't make a great deal of difference? I, I mean, no, because they've still got they no because Ben they've managed to cook the books now, and look, I'm on record for all of the people that support Saracens. I'm talking to you, that weird guy that lives up in the fucking lakes and grows. <laughs> <or whatever>. um, <laughs> That stuff's in the past in the rearview mirror, but they wouldn't have the squad they have now had they adhered to the rules when they were developing that squad because they've managed to cull enough off the wage bill by getting rid of players either naturally or by just getting rid of them to facilitate the squad they have now. I mean, that, I, I must, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. yeah, that make does make sense. Like Barrett retiring and um, yeah, so the they were Rhodes cheating really like while they were developing this yeah. squad, and then they've Skelton, gone right. Well, yeah. We've got all the players we wanted. Get rid of all the rest, and we're still left with this amazing squad that we wouldn't have had if we'd have been playing by the rules. And I think and now they are. Yeah, yeah. And and the squad, obviously, with all the, the credits they received for the for the England boys, and you know. It'll only be a matter of time if if Mako and Billy are not getting picked. They ain't for England. They ain't hanging around at Saracens. That's a fact. They'll be they'll be gone. Uh, well, they've made a lot of money, haven't they? And, well, and go and God knows what they've got more. in their back pocket from old uh, matey boy. You know, I wonder how many times they've been to the chip shop and found a brown envelope with fifty grand <laughs> stuffed in it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> deep, deep, it's just deep, deep fried, deep fried twenties, <laughs> <laughs> deep fried purples. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but we don't, we don't, you know, we don't know, or we're not even going to get into Saracens. Uh, There's your episode region. title, anyway. Deep fried, deep fried twenties. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, let, let's move on. Saracens are looking very, very good. What is your opinion on? Tight gate. Max Malians was wearing some tights, scored four tries. I think Mark Atkinson was wearing some tights at Gloucester. Now they've got an artificial pitch. John, Johnny I've, May had I, some on. Johnny May. I've seen it? enough. I've seen enough pictures of people. There was one of Alex Mitchell when Saints played at uh, Saints played at Saris, and uh, his leg basically looking like a uh, elephant leg in a kebab house. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, yeah. I, I couldn't care less. Wear what you want, boys. Yeah. Like you scored, yeah. Malian scored four tries. Like what? What are you going to do? Like whinge about him wearing a pair of trousers? I mean, may, maybe get like a red pair just so it doesn't look like a tracksuit. But you know, it's not the end of the not the end of the world, is it? There, there is a reason American footballers wear the stuff they wear. 
because they play on that stuff all the time and it mangles them up. Yeah. And you think about doing it every, like they're doing it potentially week in, week out. I play, I've played a few, like you play six aside up on the Astro or something and you, you inadvertently lose your balance because you're an in, incoherent fucking mess and you, you graze your knee and it fucking hurts when you just do it once, let alone playing rugby on it every other week for a whole season. So mm. yeah, I, I don't blame them one bit. I mean, you see the cricketers wearing all the, the stuff when they're diving about, then they wear a load of tubey grip on the bloody elbows yeah. and shit like that. So if, if people are, are actually having a, a little whinge and calling them all the names under the sun for wearing, you know, protective trousers on. on how, a how many of those people, Russ, are, are, that are complaining about this? Are at work and they've got a little rubber thing for their wrists for their um, oh one of those one of those guys they've got a ergon ergomatic chair or whatever they call it ergomatic chair yeah that's what they call it isn't it ergomatic yep yeah er- ergonomic <laughs> that's it that's it the, ergom- the ergonomic four thousand yeah. yeah gotta get the um yeah gotta get the health and safety people out to check the yeah, Kettle. I know yeah, what you yeah. mean. Make sure the the air um, constant to the right temperature. Yeah, the work the the work. I've got home. to go home because it's thirty two degrees outside. Subhuman know. scum. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, before we before we move on to to any other business, um, we have got uh, one more question, and I want to just Ben, you weren't here for the England squad last week. Obviously, um, Marcus Smith has been picked. As well as as well as Owen Farrell, and there was some an article in the rugby paper this week, and I haven't read it. I've just seen the headline by uh, Mike Brown, and he talks about how the Mike Brown, uh, Mike fucking Brown, and he says, uh, or as an interview with him, he said about when the resurgence of Danny Cipriani when he came back for that South Africa tour. And he was playing 10 and Owen Farrell was playing 12. And basically Farrell, Farrell's alpha male-ness, his leadership-ness, um, stunted any creativity that that England team could have had because Cipriani wasn't allowed to play um, the way that, that he wanted to play at 10. So Farrell was still making all the calls. Farrell was basically still in charge, but Cipriani was playing 10. And uh, the worry that he had was um, that that may same thing happen with Marcus Smith. So uh, Steve Hacking has, has, has asked that, is there a risk of playing that Smith and Farrell, like lots of people have predicted, is just a Gerard and Lampard type conundrum. Uh, better to bite the bullet and choose one at 10 and, or uh, and pair with a specialist 12, like they both do for their clubs. So... Do you think do you think we'd be better off at the moment without Owen Farrell, even and playing Marcus Smith at ten, or having Marcus Smith on the bench and playing Owen Farrell at ten with two Lange at twelve, Ben? I think I think Smith's got a start. I think he's playing so well that they'd be mad not to sort of ride that wave. Um I mean Mike Brown was there, so he knows what went on, but how much of that comes from Eddie Jones? So has Eddie Jones had a change of heart now where it's like, well, we'll let him run. Um, my only sort of sort of uh, caveat on it is England always look better if Tuolagi's playing. So if you go Smith, Farrell, Tuolagi, they're going to look good because that England game plan is still based on Tuolagi smashing holes. Um, I personally would pick Don Brand at eight. So he's got a familiar face at eight as well. And I think, again, it's a player that's playing so well, he needs to start. Um, is it a risk Farrell might do that? Maybe, but I think it would come from Jones if, if he did. If, 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 if Eddie Jones told Farrell, let Smith do it once, he's going to do it. Because, you know, he's a team player at the end of the day. Um, my major... Uh, sort of wish for this England team is that Stewart starts. That's, that's You've got a proper heart I want to see. Stewart, haven't you? I absolutely have, yeah. yeah. That's fine. 
Um, and I, I think I, what I would like to know about that is how much of that is just Mike Brown burning it, burning the house down on the way out. <laughs> I think Mike Brown's bitter about a lot of things. Yeah, I, it could be that also, hundred <laughs> percent. I, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. You know, who knows? I just, you know, it does, it does curry some favour that it, it might, it might be true. It might not be. I think, like, say, you got to take it with a pinch of salt, though, haven't you? Um. Right. Any other rugby-related matters that you want to chat about this evening? Anything else? What was the point of that absolute? shambles in America last week um, who got anything out of that other than USA Rugby making well, a few quid I, I could argue that it's even happened to the detriment of USA Rugby yeah so it's even taken taken away from USA Rugby of what they were building what they're trying to achieve I mean it just it, the most pointless Fixture a hundred odd 14, 106 14 or something, was it? Like, yeah, makes no sense, makes no sense at all. My only hope is that how, how many people were there? I don't know the answer. Well, that's to a that. good question, Ben. I don't actually but, know because they are they're trying to get a rugby world cup, aren't they? So, you know, the, the success of that fixture isn't how many points America scored, it's how many people turned up to watch it. But, you know, I mean, I would literally rather watch Russ run out for 40 minutes than watch USA against New Zealand because it's likely to be more competitive. It says says over 40,000 fans in attendance. Can't see. That was from a Reuters article. So I don't know the the exact attendance on that. But it just, it feels a little bit pointless. Only, the only, my only hope is that um, New Zealand can come to Wales and do the same to them at the weekend. That'd be pretty decent. <laughs> Could you imagine if they hung 100 points on, on Wales? <laughs> I don't think I'd ever stop laughing. Oh, It'd I, be so I don't good. Think I'd, I think I'd go out and not come back until Thursday. I, like, <laughs> so good. Probably in Wales. I mean, yeah. Sam Whitlock played in that game. Like, he must have just been. Yeah. Just what am I doing here? <laughs> I've got. Well, he would have got. I'll tell you what he was doing there picking up an appearance. Well, yeah, thing. very true. Yeah. 100%. Captain International, thanks very much. Get, get me on that. Get me on that flight to Cardiff. Um, right, we have got approximately four minutes and 20 seconds left of this Zoom call. Um, the second Zoom call because we're not posh enough to upgrade. Ben, do you have any other business? I would like to give a shout out to one particular man in the crowd at the uh NFL game at Tottenham Stadium. Um, there was a very, very large man in an Aaron Rodgers shirt with a lot of tattoos who was thrown out by roughly seven stewards who had to pin him down and drag him out. And as he was fighting with the stewards, the bloke behind him decided to calm him down by shouting, Rogers sucks, right in his face. (laughs) (laughs) So well done to the man in the Saints jersey. (laughs) Super. Douglas, any other business from you? London's fairly expensive. Yeah, well, what are you doing in London, mate? Uh, just took the lenslets down there today for uh, uh, a day out. Went to Electric Game Box, which was quite fun. Went to the Tate Modern, which was, you know, a mixed bag. And then uh, went to a restaurant called Inamo, which uh, elicited my first official complaint of the calendar year for food and beverages. Oh, what? Standard service? Uh, just Cost. standard of food. It was it. So they they have a an inamo, um, which is Pan Asian food, right? So, um, but they they have like uh my my lens nut junior, 
um, lens at senior actually. He um, he's kind of chips. They've got these on the on the menu. These hand cut chips with you know chili and our our favorite our famous uh, homemade spices that go on your chips. You know seasoned chips. Turns out it's McCain oven chips with Chinese five spice uh, haphazardly <laughs> sprayed all over them, which rendered them inedible to either of the lenslets. So wow! And then they charge six quid for them. I mean, it's a business model. Yeah. Nice. It is, mate. It is. Oh, wow. But there you go. Don't but go it was there. a great day out. And, um, you know, Mark II and the Lenslets had a fantastically lovely time. Fantastic. That's the Lenslets, uh, Fernando and Denise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my only other business, I haven't really got anything, um, although I am fortunate enough to be on a last minute flight to Portugal tomorrow evening to go and play golf for a few days. <laughs> I don't know if you could tell about Russ's uh, motivation levels for this podcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm off to Portugal. Can't wait. 23, 24 degrees out there. I've got the um, the paint roller and the, the factor 50 at the ready. And uh, yeah, go and have a few days. Hat, mate. <laughs> Just wear a hat. A few days playing golf in the sunshine while it absolutely twats it down here. So... That will be nice. It's made me real, as you can imagine, it's made me incredibly popular at home. Um, especially when I when I mentioned that when I get back at eight o'clock on Saturday night, on Sunday, I, I've got a, uh, a match in the President's Cup at Merlin. So uh, I'm out all day playing golf on Sunday as well. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Well, I do not know how you do it. It's one of them, isn't it? So, so there you go. Anyway, it's, it's like you're even good looking. I know. <laughs> Or have a big dick. You um, can definitely do better. Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> so with that in mind, we'll all be back next Monday uh, with some more chat about some more stuff. And uh, if you like this, please come back. Go well. I don't know how to Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.